Good morning, LESC. My name is Matt Sawada, and it is an honor to open God's Word with you this morning. Today, we're going to continue our journey through 1 Peter. But before we do, I'd just like to just tell you something. LEFC, we miss you. I, I miss you. I miss the high fives. I miss the handshakes. I miss the hugs. I miss worshiping next to you. I, I just miss having a full church. So know today that as we continue looking in 1 Peter, know that you're loved. Know that you're missed. You know, uh, as I was prepping for this sermon, I came across a quote by Corey Ten Boom. She wrote this. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. And I think that was such a powerful phrase written so many years ago by Corey Ten Boom. And it's really appropriate to today. You know, we're living in a, a time when if you look, if our hope is in something other than Christ, it's only going to bring about stress. For, for looking at the world, if we're looking within us, there's stress, there's depression. Looking at Christ doesn't change the realities of our circumstances, but it gives us a peace in the midst of them. So this morning, as we continue to, to process through 1 Peter, my challenge to you is what you're looking at matters. It's not only what you look at, it, but it's how you've appropriately placed yourself under God that matters. See, the Bible has a lot to say about submission. Actually, if you haven't noticed over the past few weeks, submission is a major theme throughout this book of 1 Peter. When I say submission, let me just quick definition here. I think that submission is simply acknowledging the sources of authority and it's arranging ourselves accordingly. Submission is always voluntary. It's never forced. Essentially, submission is God's plan and it requires us to trust him. Let me ask you a question this morning. Can you think of a situation in which you struggled to submit to authority? For some of you, it might be 10 minutes ago. For others of you, it, it could have been yesterday. It could have been this last week. Maybe it was a, a teacher in school, your mom or dad right now. It could have been a parent. It could have been a boss or a coworker. For some of you, it could have been law enforcement. What was it about that scenario that made it difficult to submit? See, our human tendency is to desire to be the authority, not to submit to it. Our human tendency is to crave the autonomy. It's to crave the, the control. It's to, to do what is comfortable for me in this moment. I think us as humans have a natural tendency to rebel against authority, to rebel against the very notion of submission. 
This rebellion begins in infancy and it continues to death. Look at a two-year-old. Try to tell a two-year-old what to do. Tell a teenager what to do. Tell a 22-year-old what to do. Man, tell a 56-year-old what to do. And we naturally rebel against that authority. We are quite convinced that left to ourselves, we would get along very well without the authority structures in our lives. Let me just play this out. Left to our own desires, we rebel because we have natural authority issues. Left to ourselves, we have this issue with authority because we have an issue with submitting. We hate to submit to people in our lives, to bosses, to spouses, because honestly, we hate to submit to God. Take masks, for example. You know, if you've been outside of your house recently, you have seen people wearing masks. These masks cover your nose, they cover your mouth, straps probably around the ears or around the head. These masks have become commonplace throughout the world. Go to a grocery store. What percentage of individuals do you think are actually wearing a mask? It's amazing to think, as you walk through that store, there are people who aren't doing it. As I interact with friends, nobody likes to wear them. They're, they kind of create this humid, stale breath that you have to breathe. They're not comfortable. But I often wonder, do people not wear them because they're not comfortable, or are they not wearing them because they disagree with the mandate? Is it just the fact that they've been told not to that has encouraged them? They've been told to wear them, so they take it upon themselves not to wear them. Maybe they don't see the point. I think ultimately they're minimizing authority and elevating self. They're thinking about what's best for me, not what's best for those around me. But as we read scripture, we realize that this life isn't about me, isn't it? Submission is a central theme in this Bible. It's a command, actually, throughout the New Testament. In Ephesians 5, 21, it tells us that Christians are told to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it continues in 5.22. This is a command repeated in Colossians 3, as well as 1 Peter 3, we're going to look at today. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. Church members are directed to submit to their pastors in Hebrews 13. And ultimately, we are all to submit to God in every way, James 4, because all authority ultimately flows down through him in Romans 13. See, submission is this, it's a major theme throughout all of Scripture. God uses these external structures of family, of government, of workplaces to expose the internal sins and issues that reside inside of us. You see this in schools with teachers and principals and students. You see it in offices with coworkers and bosses. You see it on sports teams, professionally, locally, with adults and kids, with parents on the sideline, with teammates and coaches. 
Man, you could have seen this two months ago at LEFC as people rebelled against their parking attendance. People do not like to submit to authority. In reality, our submission to people is indistinguishable from our submission to God. See, God uses these external structures to expose the internal sins and issues that reside within us. Jesus models this submission perfectly. He lives in this perfect triune relationship with God and the Spirit, modeling perfect submission with one another, and then obediently is born a human. Can you imagine going from being with God and the Spirit in this perfect relationship to now having to obey and submit and honor to two human parents? We see this played out in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. Jesus, as he lived this life, 22, he says, he committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. It's by his wounds you've been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Submission is God's plan, and it requires us to trust him. I'd like to ask you another question this morning. Do you? If submission is God's plan and it requires to us to trust him, have you trusted him? Is a relationship with Jesus a reality in your life? When you choose, when we choose to not submit within these external structures, it exposes areas where we don't trust him. See, 1 Peter has given us a glimpse, a quick glimpse at what this looks like. Let's turn back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter is writing to these apostles, to these Christians, God's elect, who have been scattered throughout the region. And in verse 2, it says, These individuals have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. To, for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood. And so it is through Jesus and the sanctifying work of his spirit that we can submit. It is because of his death and the gift of his spirit that gives us these new desires, these new passions. First Corinthians tells us that therefore, if you have come to know Jesus Christ, the old is gone and now the new has come. You are new creations. You have new passions. You have new desires. And what we begin to see throughout 1 Peter is that it looks like, verse 8, though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. It's because of his spirit that now you can experience this joy. It's because of his spirit that now, in verse 14, as obedient 
Children, as children who submit, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And so it's through Jesus, it's because of his, the sanctifying work of his spirit that we can experience this joy and we now desire holiness rather than these evil desires. It tells us in verse 22 that now you've been, that you've been purified by obeying, by submitting to the truth, you have sincere love for your brothers. So love one another deeply. And so it is through Christ and the sanctifying work of his spirit that these new passions are here. And why do we get to live this way? So that in chapter 2, verse 12, we can live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So we get to experience this joy, experience this holiness, loving one another so that he can be honored and glorified in front of those around us. Well, what does this look like? Well, that's chapter 2, verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 13 begins about 25 verses on submission. It tells us in verse 13 to submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Our government, whether to the king, the supreme authority, or to the governors who are sent by him to punish, punish those who do wrong, to commend those who do right. What does it look like to live out this joy, this holiness, and sincerely loving so that others notice? Well, it's submission. It's submitting to those God has placed in authority over us. Remember, submission is God's plan, and it requires us to trust him. In verse 17, trusting God by submitting to the government looks like respect. It's showing proper respect to everyone, loving the brotherhood of believers, fearing God and honoring the king. And then he continues in verse 18 by saying, Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. It doesn't matter who your boss is. It doesn't matter who is in authority over you. Peter is asking you to submit because of who God is, not because of who your authority is. And so Peter, in these verses on submission, speaks to two groups that were culturally ignored back in his day. In 2.18, he's referred to slaves. In 3.1-6, he speaks directly to wives. And the mention of each of these groups would have shocked the original audience. Because back then, people did not address the moral conduct of slaves because they were considered less than humans. People did not address the moral conduct of wives because it was assumed they would just do what their husbands did. But what this tells us about God, that he would have Peter even address these slaves and these women, is that the least of these mattered to him. What this tells us about God to us today is that you matter. You matter to God. 
You know, we are about to step into seven verses on marriage. And when we begin to talk about submission in marriage, there are many of you who are experiencing some pretty hard circumstances. You matter. You do not have to walk through these scenarios alone. These next few verses are to encourage godly submission, not slavery. There's a big difference in how husbands should treat their wives and wives how you should submit to your husbands. This isn't slavery. This is a freely given submission of their lives. And if you're in a context now that is challenging and it's, it might be painful, reach out. LAC.net, you can find me on the website, drop me an email, and let's walk through this together because you matter. And so as we jump into 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to begin to see this next external structure that God has created to expose where we're not trusting him. A marriage relationship, unlike any other, exposes our desire to control. <laughs> it exposes our desire for comfort. A marriage relationship, unlike any other, exposes our desire to be loved. It's our most intimate human relationship, which is both beautiful and dangerous and harmful. And so it's in these verses, Peter doesn't give us a script on how to be married, but he speaks generally to our hearts and our attitudes towards our spouse. Ultimately, Peter is reminding us that both submission and leadership in marriage begins by submitting to God. Let's step in. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Wives, in the same way, in the same way, wives, submit to your husbands as slaves have submitted to masters, as everyone has submitted to their governing authorities, in the same way. This is a, it's a broad explanation of what submission is. But what he begins to say here is that wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, because wives' submission to God is powerful, whether your husband is a believer or not, I am convinced that wives, the purity and reverence of your relationship through Christ to God can point your husband to Christ. And in some cases, that might affect conversion. In other cases, it's encouragement, it's edification. I need to be put into Jesus through my wife's relationship with Jesus. You know, wives, what we begin to see here is that submission to your husband is not necessarily agreeing with everything he says. Submission to your husband does not mean leaving your brain at the altar. No, this woman here that he is referring to heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and had such conviction 
that she now has the power to, she, the spirit through her, has the power to change his life. Now, submission, ladies, to God is powerful. Secondly, we see in verses three and four that submission to God is beautiful. Your beauty, verse three, should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. You know, just as Colossians 3 talks about setting our minds on things above and not on earthly things, I think Peter in this text is talking not about a mindset, but a heart set. This is an inner posture, and it's beautiful. This word adornment here speaks to cosmos, cosmetics. And he's saying that your beauty should not come from these cosmetics, but from an inner heart set, an inner posture. And through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, a gentle and quiet heart is created. This gentleness, this meekness is an inner strength. It's a resolve that waits on the Lord, trusting that he will make good on his word. And this quiet, it's not, husbands, never tell your wife she should just be quiet. It's not about silence, but it's a, it's a spirit of peace that, is, that comes from submission to the Lord. And so it's through the sanctifying work of the Spirit that a gentle and quiet heart is created. What he's telling us here, ladies, is that you need God. I think men, we both need God. We need to be fully satisfied in him. Ladies, not in your husband, not in the the clothes you wear, not in your beauty, but that satisfaction comes from Christ. So Peter here is charging wives, not saying to avoid the fancy clothes or the cosmetics. He's not encouraging you ladies to wear trash bags and have matted hair, not to take care of yourself, what he's talking about is your focus. Ladies, where, where are you putting your energy? I love it when my wife gets dressed up and looks cute. I love it. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a great thing. But what really attracts me to her is when Jesus spills out of her. It's when his word comes out in the way she acts and reacts and interacts with me and those around us. That's attractive. Ladies, what's your focus? There's a challenge in this text to focus on that inner beauty being adorned by him, not the external adornments. Ladies, do you spend more time in front of a mirror than you do in God's word? And man, I think there's a direct challenge for us here too. How often do we only affirm the external? Pursue your wife's heart. So much of culture places an emphasis on the visual, on the external aspects of a woman. Girl, you look good. 
It's, it's not about that. And unfortunately, it misses the true marks of beauty. Husbands, do you know your wife's heart? When was the last time you desired to speak to her in a way that got to know that inner beauty and encouraged that? So what we've seen is that wives, submission to God is, is powerful, it's beautiful, it's also hopeful. In 1 Peter ch- verse five, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 5, Peter says, This is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. You see, these ladies were confident, trusting not in the husband, not in their circumstance or their appearance, but they trusted in the God who created this order in Genesis 2. This is not a a byproduct of punishment in Genesis 3. They were trusting the God who created this before Adam and Eve left Eden, and it's that same God who will resurrect this in the new heavens and new earth. This order is God-ordained. And so submission to them and submission to you is not a punishment for Genesis 3. It's not encouraging you to be a robot and lose your identity or spunk. No, it's trusting in God who shapes your identity. It's not putting the will of your husband before the will of Christ. Submission is hopeful We also see here that submission is is historical. Submission to God is something that ladies have been doing for years. Begins in the middle of verse 5. It says, they were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Sarah was a woman of beauty. Extreme beauty, but yet her outer beauty couldn't save her when her husband puts her in some awkward circumstances and situations. All would have known Sarah. The original audience reading this would have known Sarah as their beautiful first lady. She was Abraham's wife. She was the mother of God's people under the old covenant. Sarah had a special place in their hearts And one commentator says that this verse, chapter 3, verse 6, highlights Sarah as an example for godly wives today because she called Abraham, her husband, her master. It's important to note that the Hebrew word translated master or Lord in Genesis 18, 12 is actually the same word for sir. In calling Abraham this word, she was simply indicating a great deal of respect for her husband, not indicating that she was inferior to him. I am not advocating wives you call your husband sir. That is not what I am saying. But I am using Sarah as an example to show you that submission does not mean you have to be forced into submission, but it is freely given. There's a respect that comes from freely submitting to your husband. Wives and women, submit because of who God is. Be fully satisfied in him, 
not because of who your husband is, what your circumstances are, or in your external beauty. Well, Peter continues this conversation to speak briefly, but just as strongly to husbands in verse 7. Check this out. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way as wives, as slaves, and as everybody should submit to government, husbands, in the same way, the same inner posture, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Well, what we see in that one verse is that Peter is challenging husbands. He's saying submission to God is considerate, it is respectful, and it is eternally focused. The New American Standard Version says this, you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way instead of considerate. They say understanding. Husbands, Peter is encouraging you to grow as a disciple of Christ and the best, this is the best thing you can do for her. And he's saying then love her wisely. He's saying know her tendencies and preferences. Know how she's wired. Know how she's gifted. Allow her the freedom to be herself to then pursue Christ in a way that's life-giving. Remember, husbands, you're not her Lord, and she is not your subject. Live with her in an understanding way. Live with her in a way that's considerate. But also, husbands, live in such a way that is respectful. She's not lesser or inferior, but, but show honor to your wife. Again, a different version says this, husbands, live considerably with your wives, bestowing honor on the woman as the weaker sex. Generally speaking, women tend to be weaker than men physically. Generally speaking. So guys, use your strength to honor your spouse. God created Eve as Adam's helper, which meant Adam was her protector. Guys, use your strength to protect your wife. Use your strength to, to open that jar in the kitchen, to do the labor. Don't fill your relationship with harsh words or criticism or conflict. Don't strong arm your wife into doing things, but honorably affirm her. Be positive. You see, husband's submission to God is not only considerate and respectful, it's also externally focused. We're supposed to do these things as treating her as a co-heir in Christ, treating her as a partner who has received this gracious gift of life. Treat her accordingly. Just because she's your wife doesn't mean you get to be a jerk to her. There's a, there's a consequence for not obeying verse 7, husbands. The, the ladies, they've got six verses of exhortation. And this is the first consequence we see in seven verses. Guys, if you don't treat her 
considerably or respectfully, if you break that marriage relationship, God says, I'm going to break my relationship with you. Your prayers are going to be hindered. Your relationship with your spouse won't be the only thing broken. There's a, there's a weight that comes with this text in verse 7. My wife and I like to kind of play this game. In Romans 12, there's a lot of different commands. One of them talks about, in verse 10, outdoing one another with honor. What would it look like, husbands, to try to outdo your wife with honor today? Well, let me tell you. In Philippians 2, you see that, that Paul is encouraging this church to put the interests of others before yourself. Husbands, if you want to outdo your wife with honor, put her interests before your own. Put her relational interests, her financial interests, her sexual interests. Put her, her interests before your own, loving her, leading her. Make it easy for her to submit to you. See, this text in Philippians 2 is a charge to all people, to bosses, to kids, to spouses, to parents. It's a charge to put the mindset, to put it on the mindset of Christ, who obediently submitted on your behalf. See, I don't believe this text in 1 Peter 3 is meant to add greater burden to a relationship. I believe it's a text that encourages wonderful freedom to actually live out Jesus in your marriages. Well, Peter continues this submission theme throughout the next couple chapters by referencing suffering. But then he concludes the book in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. He doesn't conclude it there. But he concludes this theme there. He says in 1 Peter 5, 5, Young men, in the same way as wives, as husbands, as slaves, and as government, and all of us should submit to government, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, young and old, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. LEFC, I'd like to challenge you today. Humble yourselves today by submitting to him. What we've seen this morning is that submission is God's plan. Trust him as you submit to those around you. Wives, submission to God is powerful. It's beautiful, it's hopeful, and historical. Gentlemen, husbands, submission to God then is leading your wives in a considerate way, in a respectful way, in a way that is eternally focused. LAFC, humble yourselves today by submitting to him because submission is God's plan. Trust him as you submit to those around you. Please pray with me. Well, Heavenly Father, we again are thankful that your sanctifying spirit resides in each of us that have a relationship with you. Father, left to our own devices, we, we would 
not humble ourselves. Father, we'd be, um, we'd be prideful. We still are prideful, but Lord, it's, it's your spirit who we need to help us, to lead us into submission. Father, this is a, in some ways a hard text because it confronts our, our desires at such a deep place. But Lord, as we sang earlier, you are the way maker. You are the one who is working even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. Father, I just, I just pray today we would very sensitively listen and obey and submit to your spirit. Father, help us today to walk according to your spirit. Lord, I just pray for relationships, for marriages, for husbands and wives. Lord, I just ask that this text would be one in which would create great conversation today. Father, we just are amazed at how you've given us um, your word and your son as examples on how to live this life. Lord, again, we love you. Thank you for your word in this time. And we pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. 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 Well, here are a few questions based off of this sermon that I would like for you to either process individually, maybe as a family, maybe as a life group. I know there's some, some groups that, that are probably Zooming as we speak to begin processing through some of these questions. These questions will be on your screen, but also can be found in this week's Engage Guide. Check out www.lefc.net, click on the Engage button, and it'll take you to a PDF that has these questions, but also other resources for you to use throughout the week. We'd also love for you to take a picture of what you guys are doing. Hashtag LEFC fam, post it on social media. We'd love to, to connect with you that way. Well, the first question I'd like for you to discuss this week is this. As we've just heard, submission is not easy. What makes it so hard for us as humans to submit to others? Explain your answer to that question by using a personal example. Your second question. In 1 Peter 3, Verses 1 through 6, Peter speaks directly to women, specifically wives, while 1 Peter 3, 7 is a great challenge to husbands or leaders. Take a few moments and just summarize what these two charges mean in your own words. Next. Is there an area or aspect of your life in which you are not submitting either to God or to those in authority? What truth do you need to rethink or reconsider obeying in light of the sermon? Lastly, either as a group, as a family, or individually, spend a few minutes in prayer. Spend a couple minutes, maybe it's confessing a sin that was brought to light as you worshiped through song and in his word. Maybe it's spending a couple minutes thanking God for an attribute, for who he is and how he's loved us. 
Or maybe it's spending a couple minutes petitioning, requesting help in some way. I hope these questions will lead you into a greater appreciation of what it means to submit to God and his goodness. Or our benediction this morning will be from the next verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. We ended speaking to husbands in verse 7. In 8, Peter continues and says, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. LFC, I love you. I can't wait to worship with you in the same space. Please stay safe in the days to come. And I hope today you have a great day trusting the one who is worthy of our submission. Be blessed. Thank you.